0: Amen. Wasn't it just an incredible weekend last weekend and what God did here at Calvary? And so we just give him praise uh, for a lot of people coming, meeting Jesus, getting baptized, uh, celebrating Jesus. And, you know, it was so cool at the 930 and the 1130. Every seat that this church owns was taken, right? We were full in here. We were full in the multiverse room. And people were pulling out lawn chairs out of their truck and sitting in the foyer, right? (laughs) They're like, yeah, like, hey, just in case, but no, it was it was just an incredible weekend. Don't you sense that God just doing a great thing? Man, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this community of believers that just have have sensed a call from God to be His witnesses, and that's what I want to talk about this weekend. But I just I just want to just give God praise for all He's doing at Calvary. Not only doing it on weekends like Easter, but how many know God's working in our life groups? God's working in our kids ministry. God's working in our student ministry and couples and women's and celebrate recovery and isn't it just good to just pause and say, Thank you, Jesus, that we get to do this together? Amen? Amen. He's building this church. And what I love about when God builds this church, He builds this church, but He does it by building people. Right? He builds, he builds people, and then the church gets built. And we are His church uh, this morning. So we're going to be in Acts chapter one. I get the privilege of of concluding our series, There is a King. Uh, my name is Taylor, one of the pastors here, if I haven't met you. And uh, having you enjoyed this series, There is a King, I know I've enjoyed it, just looking at different aspects of Jesus' kingship and uh, who he was, fully God, fully man, fully king on earth, and fully king in heaven today, still seated at the right hand of the Father. And so last weekend, Pastor Ray talked about on Easter, resurrection king. Today, I get to talk about the ascended king. And more in particular. As Jesus ascends, what does that mean for you and I today as, as his church? So I'm going to be in Acts chapter 1. And uh, I know you're looking so comfortable already. But here at Calvary, we respect the words. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet one more time. You're like, another time? Yes. Getting your workout on in church at the same time. A spiritual, spiritual workout and physical workout. But Acts chapter 1, this is the uh, Acts of the Apostles, the early church. This is the church being birth, This is the group of people that saw the resurrected king, Jesus, and took seriously the mission to be the church. And so we pick up in Acts 1, Jesus is about to go into, be ascended to heaven. So when they came together, this is the disciples, when they came together, they asked him, "'Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?' Verse 7, he said to them, "'It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority.'" But you will receive power. We say power? power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. Key into that word. I want to talk about that this morning. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in Sumner, in Puyallup, in Bonnie Lake, and in Auburn, in Edgewood. And sorry if I missed your city, Ording. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he, Jesus, was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And there he went to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. What's it mean that Jesus was ascended? It means that he calls us his witnesses now. He goes in a seat at the right hand of the Father and now he sends us together as his witnesses. I wanna talk about that word this morning. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, I thank you for your church. I thank you for this body of believers. Lord, what an opportunity we get to gather. What an opportunity we get. We know that this is all by grace. And Lord, I... Just believe that what happens in these moments around your word really, really matter. Because in a world that's lacking hope, we become the people of hope that exude exude the joy and the presence of God everywhere we go. And it happens when we allow your word to speak into our lives. So may it be so this morning that these 30 minutes we spend together would be enriching to our lives that we become the people you're calling us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for at least a few minutes, then we'll make you stand up in a little bit. Witnesses. I think this word witness, it has a lot of different meanings in our, in our world, our culture. It was funny as I was, as I was getting ready to preach this, this week, I thought of this word witness and I immediately in my mind went to, I believe it was 2014 when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Is it 2014? Okay, good. Just gotta make sure 2014, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. And uh, you know, Seattle sports, we get we have pretty bad luck, amen. Like we just, we're just not we're not always the best. But when we get a good team, we rally around that good team, right? This is with the Seahawks; they won, and I I got to go up to the Super Bowl parade. A number of us said, "Hey, we, it might be another eighty years until something significant happens in sports <laughs> in Seattle." So we're going to go up to the parade, right? So we got, I, I'm just, you know, Fairweather fan me. Got the, I went and bought a beanie, got a new Seahawks jersey, all the stuff, right? And, and we go up there and it was like, we had to like witness it. We had to see it. We had to go up and say, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the winning Seahawks team. So we did public transportation, got up there. All the other Fairweather fans in Seattle also came. And Seattle was just packed and it was a parade and it was just a, a ton of fun. And, you know, here comes Russell Wilson and, and, Pete Carroll and Marshawn Lynch is throwing Skittles at everyone, right? It's just like, it was just this, this amazing, amazing time that I'll never forget going to be up there. Witnessing, we got to witness it. And in and fact, this word witness, I think we think just means seeing something. Like I got to go, I got to watch it, I got to see it, I got to witness it. But I think in the, in the spiritual life, in the spiritual meaning what this word, it means more than witnessing. It means more than seeing, I think sometimes witnessing just means seeing. It's like yesterday I went to the gym and trying to get back in the rhythm. Anyone else trying to get back in the rhythm and working out and getting healthy and all these things. And I go there and I'm like lifting and I'm lifting next to the strongest person in Sumner, right? (laughs) And I'm not the strongest person in Sumner. Don't laugh. And I'm working on it. And so I'm there and like I could watch him work out every single day. But how many know? witnessing and watching someone work out doesn't make you any stronger. <laughs> I wish it worked like that. But witnessing, it's not just seeing, because you can see a lot of things. You can see a lot of great things, but witnessing is actually seeing. It's allowing it to impact your life and then responding. This is the biblical, this is the biblical way of, of witness, that we see what God has done. These early disciples, they saw what God has done he says, you're, you're gonna see this. You've seen me go into heaven. Now you need to respond personally and then you now go, right? This is witnessing. It's the, it's the original word is in Greek. It's martus. What do you say, martus? It's, it's the word that we get translated as martyr. Witness, martus, martyr. In other words, Jesus says, you are therefore now go to give your life to the sake of this mission too. See, witness isn't just someone that sees Jesus, a witness is someone that has seen Jesus and seen his goodness and has allowed it to transform our lives so much so that we now have to tell people about it. I don't know about you, but we are, I am a witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ today. I have seen seen God's resurrection power work in the lives of people. I've seen God bring salvation to people. I've seen high school students come on a Sunday night, have their lives changed, we baptize them that night. I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen God work in this church. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. I've seen his resurrection power in in marriages. I've seen him restore broken relationships. I've seen kids come back home to faith. I've seen God provide jobs. I've seen God do the miraculous. I'm a witness to the goodness of God. How about you this morning? So we're witnesses to what what God has done. We don't just see it, but we respond and we go with our life. We become modern day, if you will, martyrs for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're witnesses to him, it's our full life. It means that to us. If I had a thesis today, looking at Acts chapter one, it'd be this, that we should, we should learn to witness through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the different seasons in our lives and through our story. Through the Holy Spirit is the first thing we're gonna talk about through, secondly, the seasons in our lives and third, witnessing through the power of our, of our story. I love the, the resurrection the resurrected king, he, he appears to his disciples. I love this. So the Bible says that he appeared to his closest disciples. He showed them the hands, the, the nails pierced on his hands. This is where the scars are. He appears to guys like Thomas, and he appears to Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of James, and he appears, the Bible says, actually to over 500 people, proving this was the same Jesus that was dead, and now he is alive. He gets ascended, and all these disciples are there to watch him go into heaven. He's seated today, at the right hand of the Father, and he sends us. Now you go, and you be my witnesses. And we hear his witnesses, the first one, where, where his witness is sent. Everyone say sent. Sent by the Holy Spirit. I, I, we read this, but I'm gonna read it again, but you'll receive power. I love that. That's dynamos. That's where we get dynamite. You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, here's the, the good news of when we follow Jesus is that it isn't just a few of us that are called to carry this message. This is isn't just uh, people that feel this way or feel that way. No, we all are called to be a witness. And once you come to know faith in Jesus and you have that born again reality and you repent of your past and allow Jesus to transform your life, the Holy Spirit enters your life and now you're sent on mission too. I love this. Uh, All of our our vocations. In this room, we have hundreds of different vocations represented, but we all have the same vocation at at core to be sent by the Lord Jesus Christ. To be sent in the places that God calls us to go. The the king resurrects, the king ascends, the king sends the promised Holy Spirit and says, now you go and you you be my disciples. I love what Jesus says in Acts chapter one, verse two. Rather, this was said about Jesus. Until the day when Jesus was taken up, Jesus had given his commands, what's it say? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sent by the Holy Spirit. Jesus modeled to his disciples what it means to be a person filled with the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to lead our lives. I love what Jesus also says in John chapter 14. Catch this this morning, it come up on the screens. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do, catch this on the screens, even greater things than these. What a what a cool thing to think about. Because Jesus says I'm going to go to the Father, I'm going to ascend and be in heaven. And then jump down to verse 16 of John chapter 14, and I'll ask the Father to give you another advocate. This is the Holy Spirit to help you and be with you forever. In other words, Jesus goes up to heaven and the Holy Spirit indwells the believers. This is the reality of salvation is that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we could talk about this for a long time theologically, but it's an important reality for Christ followers to realize we're sent. We're sent to witness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might be here this morning and say, this Taylor. This all sounds good. I, wanna, I don't know who wouldn't wanna go in power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know who wouldn't wanna go sent by God, be on mission with God, joining God in what he's doing and reaching the world and restoring humanity. And like, we gotta join Jesus in this powerful work that he's doing me to go in power. Like, who wouldn't wanna do that? And how do I receive it? How do I be like that? Well, it's, it's one word. Ready for it? Wait. Wait. See, I think so many of us, we want the power of God in our life, but we aren't willing to slow down enough to receive it. We live this hurried life, day in, day out, and believe me, I know, I know, we go so fast, I go so fast, we get to the ends of our weeks and we look back and say, did I I wait on God? Did I allow God to, to fill me and then go out and be sad. in fact, this is the reality in Acts chapter one, just a few verses earlier before the scripture we read it says, and while staying with them, Jesus ordered them to not depart not don't leave Jerusalem, but it says this but to wait, wait for the promise of the Father which you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, now you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This, this concept in Acts chapter one was the original disciples waiting for the Holy Spirit to indwell believers. Though today we don't have to wait, we can just say yes and the Holy Spirit can indwell our lives. The same principle is true that if we want to experience God in new ways, we wanna experience the power of God, the Holy Spirit is available. The question is, are we willing to sit long enough to receive the Holy Spirit? whose life is too fast today. Like the the model for believers is always that we wait on God, we allow him to fill us up with his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and yes, himself. And as we get filled up and and allow the power of God to fill our lives, then we get sent for mission. That's always how it goes with God. Like you go full of the Holy Spirit, you get sent because you waited long enough for God to fill you. Uh, We we as people, we just don't like to wait for, in fact, uh, it wouldn't be a sermon of mine without talking about my one-year-old. And he's just the cutest baby in the entire world. And just sermon analogies galore, right? And the other day, uh, so every morning he, he gets a bottle, right? He's, he, he loves his bottle. He knows he gets a bottle in the morning. And so, well, we, he wakes up. He gets, he's a little hangry like some of you get in the mornings, right? Uh, wakes up, and so we, I take him to the kitchen and... and you know, I'm holding him and I pour the milk in his bottle and I put it in the bottle warmer and like, he is like watching me like a hawk do this, right? He's like, that's gonna be my bottle, right? I know it. And uh, we, we end up putting the bottle in the bottle warmer and then I have to turn the bottle warmer on and it takes like four or five minutes to get the bottle warmed up. And so we do that and then uh, he, he knows that it's gonna be his. He can't wait though for the bottle to get heated up. So it gets in the bottle warmer. He screams at the bottle warmer, he points at it. He yells at it. Uh, he's like, I, that, that is my bottle. We take him to the other room. He knows that in the other room, there's his bottle getting heated up. His mind can't quite comprehend the fact that he has to wait for this to get heated up and then he can have it, right? We're kind of like that sometimes, aren't we? <laughs> like we want what well, we want now. We don't want to wait until the, the right time to have it. And can I just encourage you this morning, the spiritual life is not a fast life the spiritual life is an unhurried life. It's allowing God to move and to speak and to show us and we go in faith and in confidence. But what happens in our lives when we wait on the Holy Spirit and we allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives? The first thing I think is we become people of deep conviction. When you wait long enough and you get in the word and you have moments and disciplines in your life to sit and to listen to God and listen to worship music, and yes, even moments like this when we're in church together and you sit long enough and you receive his power, I think there's a deep conviction that comes into your life. We we need to be the types of people that, in fact, I love this in my own life, the Holy Spirit's convicting me all the time. Hey, the way you said that maybe wasn't very kind, or, The way that you responded to that wasn't very kind. Or, hey, you should have done this or you should have not said that. And the Holy Spirit, all the time, I'm getting these checks from the Holy Spirit. I think when we wait on the Holy Spirit, he gives us this deep conviction. And not just conviction, but the second thing is we get this courage and this boldness. When you you wait on the Holy Spirit, there is a courage and a boldness that comes to your life. I love what it says in Acts chapter four, verse 31. And when they had prayed, this is the disciples, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with what? What's it say? Boldness. Man, I just believe that this is is what we're called to be as Christ followers. We're called to be the types of people that allow the Spirit to come to give us conviction. But yes, even courage and even boldness. It's tough to be a Christian right now. It's tough to be a Christ follower. In a lot of ways, we are, we are swimming upstream with culture. We're, 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 doing it, we're living a different alternative. We're living a different way. And it's going to take courage and boldness in order to live the way that Jesus would call us to. So we have the Holy Spirit comes on and gives us conviction and gives us courage. The third thing is this. The Holy Spirit gives us this convincing wisdom talking to you about being sent by the Holy Spirit as a a witness, We we get this convincing wisdom that comes to our lives. How many know that we need wisdom in our lives? You need wisdom in your family. You need wisdom in your decisions you make at work. And the Bible says that if you get to a place and you don't know what to do, you should ask boldly for wisdom and God will give you wisdom. If you wait long enough and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, he will give you wisdom. We need to be the types of people that the things we say and the things that we do are all seasoned with the wisdom in our lives. I don't know about you, but as I'm sent by the Holy Spirit, we're sent in the power of God, and God sends us to our workplaces and our families and all over the place that we're willing to be open to God to use us, to have people of conviction, to say, there is a way that God's calling me to live, and I'm going to live in that way with power and conviction with strength. I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to live with wisdom. I'm going to speak in boldness and encourage This is being sent by the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit sends us to be a witness. And this is so important this morning. We're sent by the Holy Spirit, but we're sent with discernment to be a witness, to learn to embrace the seasons. Check this this morning. As the Holy Spirit sends us in power, he also sends us in discernment and the word to know the context in which we are living our lives in. Don't you love that this morning? We're called to be the types of people that see and understand and know the seasons of life that we're in. In fact, this is what it says in verse seven. We read it, but I'm gonna read it to you again. He said to them, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons, everyone say seasons, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, what, what these disciples are trying to navigate is that they, they, saw, they saw Jesus do ministry they saw him heal they saw him do miracles they saw him teach they saw him lead he told them hey i'm going to go to the cross i'm going to die and then i'm going to rise again and they were witnesses to all these things and they lost they left their their jobs they left their money they left their livelihoods they they left everything and they changed their way of thinking they followed this Jesus. And here he was doing what he was, says he's going to do. Then he, he rises from the grave and they're like, this is awesome. I, I'm so glad I chose to follow Jesus. And then he ascends to heaven. And they're like, so when are you coming back? <laughs> because like we just, we just like gave up everything for this. And now when are you coming back? Pretty fair question, right? And Jesus responds, it's not, it's not for you to know the seasons of when I'm going to come back. That I'm going to come back one day, but you don't, you don't get to, you don't, you're not going to know when I'm going to come back. You don't get to know the seasons. I don't think what Jesus is saying in this is that we should just not acknowledge the seasons. In fact, I think Jesus is, is putting a greater emphasis on you need to know the season in which you are living in right now. Is making sense this morning? That the seasons of our lives that we're in, they matter. The season you're in this morning, and we're all in different seasons. Can you, can you imagine the amount of change these disciples had in their life, the seasons that they went through? Can you imagine the amount of change that they felt? Seeing Jesus now ascended into into heaven, what does this new life look like for them? Yes, being sent by the Spirit, but it's a new season for them. Jesus went through seasons. Jesus had a season of growing up, working as a carpenter, building relationships. Jesus had a season of waiting and a season of testing. Jesus had a season of ministry for years and healing and teaching, leading, and he had a season of denial and of pain. Jesus had seasons in his life. I love what in the Old Testament there's this wisdom book. It's called the Book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter three. You might have heard it before. It says this there is a, a there's a time for everything. And then catch this: there's a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born, it's time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A season for everything. I think it's so important that we acknowledge the seasons of life we're in. Some in this room, it's a it's a time to grow up in our in in our homes to learn what it means to follow Jesus. For some, it's a time to go to school. For some it's a time to be single, for some it's a time to be married, for some it's And you're newly married, it's time for you to get a dog because that's the next step after you get newly married. And then, secondly, after you get a dog, you realize that you can maybe have a kid. So, you you start having kids. And after you have kids, you realize how annoying your dog really is. (laughs) I'm not speaking from experience or anything. There's a season to work, there's a season to play, there's a season to save, there's a season to give. There's a season to to pull back. There's a season to press forward. What's the point? There's seasons for everything in our life. And all of us find ourselves in these seasons, not unlike the seasons of our world, not unlike fall, winter, spring, summer. There's seasons of change. Their seasons are different. Not one season's better than the other per se, but they all are shaping us and growing us. What do we do with these seasons in our lives? How do we live in these seasons? Ecclesiastes sums them all up for us. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13, the, the preacher in Ecclesiastes would say this, now all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. It's simple, in the midst of all the seasons, a time for this, a time for that, this is what you should do in the midst of all of it. Fear God and keep his commandments. That he just simplifies our call. Like in the midst of changing seasons, whatever your life looks like right now, we, we just simply get back to the point of we stand in awe of God, that's fear, awe in God's worthiness and his grace and his love. And then we, we, we be sent by his commandments to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Like why is this important in witnessing? Because we all find ourselves in different seasons and that's not unlike the world out there. Our, the people in our world, the people that God's put in our path are feeling a shaking of a season right now. And we as believers, we can say things like, we understand the season's different. We can, we can feel that. But at the end of the day, we also know that God uses all these seasons to shape us, to grow us. And we get to proclaim this. In the midst of a changing time, we serve a God who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever, whatever your future looks like, Whatever your changing season looks like, we serve a God who walks with us through all those things. And, and I might just add this. Changing seasons is difficult. It's, there's, there's a grieving and a changing of seasons. I mean, think of when a young person moves out of the house for the first time. Some parents are like, yes, finally they're out of the house, right? But there's a grieving to that because it's a changing of a season. When, when, a new job comes, and you loved your old job, but you feel and sense God's calling you to something. You know, how many know there's a changing of a season and there's grieving the past, but also looking forward to the future? There's a there's a changing of a season in a in a marriage. In fact, what I uh, when I it's so fun. Uh, I get I've been the youth pastor here long enough now to see students come through our ministry, go to college, and now they're getting married to people from the ministry. Uh, which is just so fun. I'm officiating a number of weddings this summer of former students, and it's just like the greatest joy in my life to get to do. But I tell them this. I say, God wants to teach you certain things in certain seasons. It's like when you're single, God wants to teach you some things in the season of singleness that you won't learn when you're in a season of engagement or in a season of marriage. It's like when you're in the season of singleness, you need to learn what you need to learn right now because that will shape you and prepare you for your season of engagement and in the season of engagement, you learn the things that you need to learn here, and that will prepare you for the, the season of marriage. And I think so many of us, we just want to jump to certain seasons without going through the process of what it means to get there. And God wants to use every season to grow us and shape us. And I might just add this just before we move on to the next thing. If you, if you don't allow and, and move with the seasons, it can be very frustrating spiritually, Because how many know God's goodness and His love for us? He's always gonna be gently pushing us to be more like His Son Jesus. And how many know you can't grow without changing? (laughs) It's impossible. Like you have to have change in order to grow in your life. So God will lovingly be pushing us to grow and to change into certain seasons. And we must be willing and say, in the midst of all the change, in the midst of all the seasons, the good and the bad, I'm going to fear God and I'm gonna keep his commandments. As we're witnesses, we get to be models to the world. Then in the midst of a changing world, we change and we become more like Jesus in the midst of the changing seasons. Lastly, this morning, being a witness, it's not just being sent by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just acknowledging and learning and growing through the seasons, being a witness, it's, it's really, it's sharing our story. It's learning what it means to share the story of what God has done in us. I mean, consider this, the whole early church, the whole book of Acts is about a group of people that took seriously what they saw, it, it impacted their life and it responded and they told the story of what God did in them. In fact, I believe this morning, I believe today, the greatest tool, the greatest evangelism tool in sharing the gospel with others is what God has done in you. I'm gonna say that again. I think the greatest evangelism tool for the church and for your life is when the people of God take moments to say, look at what God has done in me. Look how God has shaped my story, changed my story. And then we share that with other people in our lives. You have a number of stories in your life. You have a story of salvation, like that moment in your life when God just totally met you and you knew that you knew that you knew this was your moment to come home to God, and He changed your life. You repented of your old self, and you allowed Jesus to come into your life, and, and you you know, in this new purpose, and you began to figure out what that meant. There's a season of of man, God met me. That's a story for you. How about this? There's lots of other stories in your life, though. You have a do you have a story of God's financial provision? And when you meet someone that's going through a tough time financially, you can say, hey, I might not know where you're at fully, but I know that God has provided for me, and he's going to provide for you. How about this? A story of God's grace and his mercy in the midst of maybe a dumb decision you've made, and God in his grace sat there patiently and walked you through a process of reconciliation and redemption, and you came out the other side and you said, I don't know how I made this if it wasn't for God's grace and his mercy to walk with you. That's a story. Maybe it's, for some, it's, it's a story of God. You walked through a, a process of maybe waiting to have a baby and, and, you're, and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and all of a sudden God gives you that gift and you remember the pain of waiting in that season and all of a sudden God, God uses your story to now impact someone else that's in a season of waiting. I believe our story is the greatest avenue to help people know because our life, it, it is a series of tough things, our life isn't always easy. Our, 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 our life isn't smooth sailing. There is pain, there is disappointments, there is frustrating challenges. Oh, but let me tell you, all of those things point to God's credible evidence and people realize the power of God in their life because they see God's story in you. And, and let me just say, in a, in a world that is increasingly more polarized, more, po- more politically, economically, and relationally, and socially poli- polarized, in a world that's so full of anxiety, addiction, and discouragement, when people are mad at each other and mad at the church, mad at, mad at the church at large, people that are driving by this morning saying, I don't want anything to do with those people for a number of reasons, people counting out God, all because they've believed a story about the church that isn't true. And so what's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? Is the answer standing on the side of a street holding a sign? I don't think so. Is the answer posting your opinions on social media? Thinking that if you might persuade someone to think or believe like you, it'll change their life? I don't think so. Is the answer getting in text message arguments? Sending novels back and forth to each other? I don't think so. Is the answer avoiding someone that you don't agree with? Just because you can't stand them, you just avoid them? Is that the answer? I don't think so. Is it trying to attain enough money, resources, status, so that ultimately you have no need to be reliant on community and you can just do your own thing and live your life in a way that you want to live and no one can tell you how to live? I don't think so. Is the answer to the, the story that the world is saying, is our answer as the church, is it just to get louder with our, with our responses, that we would get louder with our theological, social, political opinions, that we would just get louder like megaphones, like I'll turn out my megaphone and you turn your megaphone up and eventually we'll, just, we'll, we'll win because one's louder than the other? I don't think so. What's our response to this? I proposed something different this morning. I propose that we don't argue people into the kingdom of God. We love them into the kingdom of God. And the way we love them into the kingdom of God is for them to see such a deep life change with us, that we have been with Jesus, that he has changed us. He has rewrote our story. He has given us new life and new hope. He's taken the things in our life. I love Rick Warren says this, God takes the tests in our lives and he turns them into a testimony. God takes the messes in our lives and he turns it into a message for other people. God takes the misery of our lives and turn it into a deep ministry and an influential ministry for other people. I love this today. Our, our story and what we tell the world isn't just this, isn't just theological. No, It's when the theology and the things of God impact our life so much so that we live different. People say, there's something different about Taylor Ford. There's something different about you. I love what it says in in the scriptures in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Get ready to close right here. It says, they triumphed by the blood of the lamb and by the what? Word of their testimony. First Peter 3.15 says this, in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. And what's it say? Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You might say, well, Taylor, my story doesn't matter. My story is not that significant. My story isn't that crazy. My story doesn't matter. Or you might say this, my story's too crazy. There's no way I can really share all of my story because I just... I can't, it's too deep, it's too dark. And I say, well, my story just doesn't matter. It's in the past, God couldn't redeem that. No, I propose something different. Every single one of us has a beautiful story that God is writing. He's writing something beautiful in your life, and my life, and our lives together. And it's all how cool is this, it's all working into this bigger narrative of how God's building his church all of our stories together and they matter they matter every chapter of your book of your life matters from the beginning to the end what god's writing in you it matters and he is working in you if you allow him he can turn dark things into new life and new hope this is the story of easter isn't it god turns dead ends into resurrections (laughs) He's ascended. He says, therefore, you go, and now you be witnesses. I want to end with this story. A couple weeks ago, we took a group of high school students to this place called the Dream Center, and there's about 15 of us down there, and one of the things that we do on this trip is we go to a place called Skid Row. I've been able to take a number of trips down there, and one of the things they take us to is they take us to Skid Row. Uh, if you know Skid Row, is it's a there's a lot of homeless people on this block. It's where Los Angeles sends all of the homeless people. And so we go down there, and we minister, we love them, we pray for them, we invite them to church. And so it was one of those times where we were inviting them to church that night and, and we walk over and, and we're walking through and there's hundreds of tents and hundreds of people all around it. The, the lady leading the trip, she looks to me and says, hey, Taylor, will you come with me? I said, yeah, I'll come with you because you don't go alone. You, send, you bring one other person with you. So I go and I'm just thinking I'm gonna like watch her minister. And so she says, no, why don't you come down with me? So we go here and she goes to the tent. She says, Dream Center, Dream Center, can we pray for you? Initially, no one, no one comes out. And, dream Center, Dream Center, can we pray for you? And about 30 seconds go by and eventually we, we see this man barely being able to open up his his tent. But he's laying on his chest and he like looks up. Like he can barely look up. And you could just see in his eyes the despair, the brokenness, the lack of hope. And my heart shattering. <laughs> and this this woman, I'll never forget it. She just goes right next to him. And She gets really close to him, looks him in the eye, and says, Your story isn't over yet. God has something new for you. If you allow him, he can take the things that happened in your life and he can restore them. If you'll come back with us to the dream center, we can get you some help and some healing. You can meet Jesus. She begins to say, You're so loved. God values you. God's given you, God has an opportunity for you to get out of this. And then she begins to share her story. She says, I was homeless once. And this is where I was in a similar scenario and look at where God brought me from. <laughs> and in this moment, the Holy Spirit's just working in my life. And I'm just thinking, like flash right to John chapter one, verse 14. The, the Bible said, Jesus came and he dwelt among us. And that word dwelt means tabernacle. That word tabernacle means tent. So I'm here and the Holy Spirit is just flooding my, my, my life with this reality that this is what Jesus would have done. He came and he set up a tent, a tabernacle amongst us. He came and he lived with us and he lived and he knew and he learned people's stories and he encouraged their stories. And I don't know, maybe this morning your life doesn't look quite like that, but you might be hearing like, my story is a mess. I don't know how I could ever share and be a witness. Let me tell you, we serve a God that can redeem your story this morning. I don't care what it is, he can redeem it. I've seen him do it and, I, and he's gonna, he can do it if you'll allow him to. But our call church is to be witnesses, to be witnesses sent by the Holy Spirit, understanding and discerning the seasons. And yes, when the opportunity arises, sharing our story with love, boldness, courage, and respect. And watch how God will use us as the church collectively. Amen. Amen, let's pray this morning. Jesus, what a great opportunity to be in your house. I thank you for these friends. God, I know even in this room, there's people that are trying to discern their story. They're trying to understand. I pray in the midst of all of that, you would just meet them where they're at, meet them at their point of need this morning. Lord, we wanna be faithful witnesses of you. May it be so that we'd wait long enough to allow your Holy Spirit to impact our lives that we'd be sent out in power. May it be so that whatever season we find ourselves in, young, old, somewhere in between, joyous or difficult, we'd allow the seasons to shape us so we might be great witnesses in the midst of that season. And yes, Lord, help us to allow our story not to be the thing that holds us back, but to be the thing that actually pushes us forward because you restore and redeem, and then we get to share what you've done in us with other people. Thank you for this amazing church. As we respond to worship this morning, may it be so that we just allow your spirit to work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I invite you to stand. Let's sing together.